Open the grave, I'm coming out, I'm going 
something like the shout of a vast multitude and like the boom of many pounding waves and like the roar of mighty peals of thunder saying hallelujah for the Lord our God almighty the omnipotent ruler of all reigns let us rejoice and shout for joy let us give him glory and honor for the marriage of the lamb has come at last and his bride, the redeemed, has prepared herself. She has been permitted to dress in fine linen, dazzling white and clean, for the linen signifies the righteous acts of the saints, the ethical conduct, personal integrity, moral courage, and godly character of believers. Then the angel said to me, Right blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said further, these are the true and exact words of God. And then there's a little skip that I gotta. Jesus. He said, brothers and sisters who have and hold the testimony of Jesus, worship God alone. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, his life and teaching and the heart of prophecy. And Lord, I thank you. From this house goes the spirit of prophecy. I thank you, Father God. You are cleansing 
your bride's garments, Father God. You are cleansing it because you're preparing us for the marriage supper with you, Father God. And I thank you, Father God, that there is no stain that cannot be cleansed. Father, I think of when Jesus was standing before you in garments, they said they were garments that were so bright that no launderer could get them that white, Father God. But you are the God that is able to remove every stain from your people, Father. I break it, the power, Father God. The stains we say that will never be removed, we say no. The scripture says that there is a launderer who can wash whiter than snow. The scripture says there's a washing by the water of the word. The scripture says you are preparing your bride to have garments and to have an unwrinkled bride gown, Father God. And I thank you. What we thought was impossible to be removed from us, conduct that we thought we could never stop, I say in the name of Jesus, it's finished and repent and turn around and your Savior who is able to save can save his church from unrighteous deeds. And the things that the the acts that, that you are calling us to that are too big, the righteous acts and the acts of service to give glory to you that we feel are too big, we say it's not by might nor by power, but by your spirit. And when the spirit of God moves, we will move because in you we live and we move and have our being and we will fulfill your your, your purposes for the earth, Father God, because we long to see the glory of the Lord to rise Thank you, that's what you are doing. shadows step out of the grave break into the wild and don't be afraid run into wide open spaces graces waiting for you dance like the weight has been lifted graces
the sound of Jesus name lives made whole hearts awake at the sound of Jesus name chains will fall prisons shake at the sound of Jesus name lives made whole hearts awake at the sound is our declaration chains will fall prisons shake at the sound of Jesus name God's made whole hearts awake at the sound of Jesus name chains will fall prisons shake at the sound Jesus name by his name I made whole hearts awake at the sound of Jesus
darkness, my God, that is who you are. Yes, you are. 
Lord is saying this morning, if you're going through something right now and you don't know the way, you feel like you're trapped, you feel like you can't do it, we have a mighty God that can do it. You have to put your trust in Him. You have to put your faith in. Just worship Him. Thank Him. Thank Him for the situation you're in. Thank Him because He is going to show the way. He is going to show His mighty power. Yes, Lord. We declare it. We declare it. Yes, God. Even when we don't see it, you're working.
is rising in the room. Because the presence of the Lord is here. Confidence is rising in the room of what he's done on the cross to free us and to empower us. And church, you ain't seen nothing yet. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. Sing it out. And you turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. Yes, you turn it for good. Sing it again. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. And you turn it celebrate the triumphal entry of Christ okay it's the day uh, it's 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 Palm Sunday and you know we don't have palm branches in here today but let me tell you the history of this because it was a prophetic statement of the Messiah coming if you go into the Gospels all all four of the Gospels talk about the triumphal entry in Matthew chapter 21 it talks about Jesus and he was in the Mount of Olives and if you go to Israel with us, and those that are planning to go to Israel, we just uh, got a notice from the travel agent. Your refunds are coming, so we could reschedule the trip for next year. You know, uh, but when we go to Israel, the Mount of Olives is is here, and Old City Jerusalem is here. Jesus came down from the Mount of Olives, and it's it's interesting because the history of the lambs of Israel, uh, Jesus was from what city? He was born in Bethlehem, and Bethlehem is where they raised sheep for the sacrificial offerings in the temple. Okay, so track with me. Jesus was born in the city where the shepherds were the very first ones to see him, and the shepherds were the ones that raised the sacrificial lambs, the one-year-old perfect spotless lambs that were given as a sacrifice. 
So Jesus comes down from the Mount of Olives and goes through the Sheep Gate into the temple area. And when he's going through the Sheep Gate, what do the people do? Hosanna, Hosanna. They lay their garments on the floor. They wave palm branches. The same thing they did when they brought the sacrificial lambs in to the temple area for sacrifice. Now, you follow me? You're tracking with me? This is really important. This is it, it, because it talks not only of Jesus being the perfect sacrifice, that once his sacrifice was made, you and I don't need to sacrifice anymore. It's been done. You know? I think I meet people every once in a while. They say, well, I just got to do this for the Lord. And I got to sacrifice this. The Lord's already taken care of you. There's nothing you can do to add to your salvation. Do you know that? It's free. It's a gift that was given to you. That when gifts are given to you, you don't have to do something to earn the gift. That's not a gift. That's a payment. The payment has already been processed on your account. And Jesus came in to the, the very gate and proved to us that he is not only the ultimate sacrifice, but he fulfilled the Messianic prophecies from Zechariah, from all the other prophets, that he was the, the final sacrificial lamb. That's what Palm Sunday is. You know, last night my wife is Jewish you know that last night we went to her sister's house and we celebrated Passover with my brother-in-law and sister-in-law and Passover is basically the very act that we take as as Christians when Jesus was in the upper room he celebrated the Passover Seder with his disciples and he said I'm not going to take and drink of the fruit of the vine till we're together together in 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 heaven the Last Supper, we call it the Last Supper, but it's actually it's a Seder, okay? And Jesus fulfilled every prophetic statement found in all of Scripture that He is the risen, all-powerful, all-authoritative God who allows you and I to walk with His triumph into Jerusalem. So whatever your battle you're facing right now, you know, I don't know about you, but when I face a battle... Sometimes it's overwhelming, right? You get like, God, how am I going to get through this? I don't see the end. Read the end of the book. What does it say? All glory and honor be unto our Lord. The angels gathered around his throne. And, and you know, I, I, I love this in worship because every once in a while someone says, well, pastor, worship was too long today. Well, guess what? We're going to spend 10,000 years in front of the throne. And that's just going to be the prelude. We're going to worship the Lord for all of eternity. Why? Because He has overcome. And how do we overcome? We overcome by what? The blood of the Lamb, which has already been taken care of, that perfect sacrifice. On, on, on Good Friday, we celebrate the, the sacrifice that Jesus made. And then we also overcome by what? The word of our testimony. You see, there's power when we proclaim what Jesus is either done or going to do. We speak faith. We don't speak doubt. We speak faith that all things are possible to them that believe. And we, we want to be people that believe in the word of the Lord. We want to be people that believe in the power and the authority. I don't know how God's going to do it, but I know this. He's going to do it. And he's going to allow you to walk through situations and circumstances when you take your eyes off of the situation and put your eyes upon him. You know? So many times we, we, we magnify our problems and diminish the power of the Lord rather than 
magnify the Lord and diminish the, pro- the, the problems, you know? If you ever go to Springfield, Missouri, and you get down to Branson, Missouri, in the Ozarks, there's a, a chapel in the hills there, and it's this beautiful situation that you can look out over this chapel and look out into the valleys of the Ozark, the rolling hills of the Ozarks, and there's a sign above the window in this chapel, and it says, I look to the hills from whence cometh my help. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. You know? So when you're going through a situation, look up to the hill. Look to El Toro. Look look over here to Anderson Dam where Fred and Judith live, you know? Look up to Fred and Judith's house, right? And look to the hills and say, Lord, I see you coming. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I see you coming. So if you have a need this morning, I just want you to raise your hand as a, as a surrender to the Lord. Father, you see our hands. You see the circumstances that we don't even see the full understanding and, and disclosure of what those circumstances are. But we know this. You are a triumphant God. You are a God who overcomes sin, death, and the grave. And God, we are your sons and daughters, and you love us immensely. You died for us. You give us the opportunity to come into your presence and celebrate part of the triumphant entry that you did. And Lord, I pray for each and every hand that's raised, Lord. And for some hands, it's more than one situation that we're facing. But we know this. Our God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we imagine or ask. And Father, we thank you that, God, where there doesn't seem to be a way, you are the way maker. Where there doesn't seem to be an exit route, you are the one that provides a crossing to the Red Sea. When there doesn't seem to be an opportunity to escape from those that are attacking us, Lord, you, you close the Red Sea over them and swallow them up. Lord, we praise you that you are faithful to each and every one of us. And I pray for each and every one of us, God that you would encourage us today as we gather together in your house. May our hearts be lifted up. May our faith be encouraged. May we be challenged to trust you more, Lord. May it not just be some sort of service that we come to and we walk away with the same as we walked in, but Lord, let us be changed into your image and your likeness. And Father, I pray that you'd give us first and foremost a peace in our hearts and in our minds. Lord, let not the the difficulties, let not the challenges we face overwhelm us. But let us look back and say, wow, I don't know how God's going to do it, but this is going to be fun to watch. Give us the faith to believe you, God. The faith to trust you, God. The faith to stand back and watch our God be a God of deliverance. And we ask this all in the name that is above every name, that every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess, every problem shall surrender to. In the name of Jesus, we glorify you, Father, because we know that when we lift you up, all people are going to be drawn to you, including the people around us that say, how did that happen? We can say, my God is a God of deliverance. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad the Lord's on your side? You know, I love the old, there's an old African proverb that says, "Had had not the Lord been on our side, we would have been swallowed alive. You know, and the song, there's a song they sing in Zambia that says, we go up the mountain, down the valley, and it talks about how the Lord is always on your side. It doesn't matter if you're going uphill or you're going downhill, the Lord's always on your side. And I want to challenge you to believe the Lord, trust the Lord, acknowledge Him in everything you do, and you're going to see how He takes a crooked situation and stretches it out. Amen?
Amen. Turn to someone, give them a high five. We're in the orange tier. You know, we're almost out of this. We're, I don't know how many of you have gotten your, your shots yet, your, your vaccines, if you're going to get them, if you're not going to get them. But, you know, Pastor Lynn's getting hers tomorrow, her second lunch. You know, I, I, I met someone the other day and I said, uh, I've got, I've been vaccinated. They said, you only got one. I said, yeah, my front half's done. So they're working on my back half next week, you know. Uh, but I'm excited about what God's doing and excited about you being here today. I want to challenge you that God's got some great things in store for you. And, and you're going to hear a really challenging word this morning. Yes, you are. I've been hearing it all week at home. So I, I, I'm, the, I'm the guinea pig. So I'm not the guinea pig. I'm just teasing. Hey, we're glad you're here this morning. If you have a prayer request or need, uh, grab one of the cards in the pew back in front of you. You can write that down. If you don't get our newsletter that we send it out every Friday, I know we say this every week. There's a lot of information in there that we don't talk about on Sunday because we we want to uh, focus on the Word. We want you to be built up in God's Word. But uh, it's a great opportunity for you to hear what's going on, some events that are happening. Uh, this week, Pastor Nick is taking the youth on Thursday on a youth retreat so pray for them pray the holy spirit just gets hold of these youth i tell you we we believe in the power of the spirit and i tell you we we had a retreat a couple years ago and and it was like the kids it was the spirit of god moved so powerfully so pray with us that you know you may not be able to go you may not be able to handle youth you may not even be able to tolerate being around youth okay but Pastor Nick does and his team does. And they're going to do some great things. And I'll tell you, there is nothing more exciting than seeing youth fired up for the Lord. You know? And, and we want to pray that they really get touched by the Lord. They get ministered by the Spirit. And that God does some great things in their life. Uh, also, if you want to listen to any sermons, if you haven't been here or you, you want to hear one again, or if you, you have a friend that wants to listen, you can hear our sermons online. They're great opportunities to share. You know, one of the things we were talking about, my wife and I, yesterday was how sometimes people are a little bit more intimidated to come to a service, but they'll listen to a service online or they'll go on Facebook. Share those with them. Share share conferences that we have. Share the Thirst Conference. Share the, the, the Tongues of Fire Conference. Share those with people and, and let that be an opening door. And then it'll give you an opportunity to converse with them about what, what the Lord's doing in your life and what the Lord wants to do in their life, okay? Uh, we have our Holy Spirit Conference or Holy Spirit Retreat, rather. Uh, we are going to have it. We have a group of youth that are coming. Uh, we have a couple adults coming. If you want to come, there's still time, but we need to know today so we can prepare. So before you leave today, if you want to go, if you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit or you haven't been full of the Spirit and you want to learn more, it's going to be a Thursday eve night and then Friday during the day. Okay, so uh, we want you to spend some time. We're just going to come. Like, how many of you like to cook? Not really. We like we like those people that like to cook because we like to eat. My brother-in-law yesterday made uh, what was it? Brisket, and he made it all day all day Friday, and Saturday he served it, and it, it had marinated in the broth, and it was so good. Well, that's what we're going to do on Thursday night and Friday. We're going to marinate in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And it's going to be a great time for you to just to come and experience the fullness. Everything the Lord has. You know, God's gifts for us are good. They build us up. They strengthen us. They, they encourage us in the things of the Spirit. So if you're interested in that, let us know. Hey, our missions projects, we have been this last year we have done so many things. And one of the things that we did is... Uh, 
we had supported some churches and this we don't have a slide for this one but i want you to pray we have a missionary we're going to pray for uh todd namey churchill and they and they they're working on uh, uh, africa's hope and they have a project called the congo project which is uh training uh church planters for all over africa and uh, that's the missionary emphasis of the week but i also want you to pray because we just had three of the pastors from central india just got out of prison they were put in jail for they were there for two and a half months two months uh they were in jail for uh, two months uh they were a, there's a real strong push against christianity right now especially in the central part of india where they're at that's where we built the eight churches uh over the last couple of years we financed eight churches that's their partners of ours and uh their churches have been under a lot of persecution so uh, if you could do this, if the Lord could just remind you, every time you drive by a church building, just pray for those pastors. And it doesn't have to be long. Just say, Lord, protect our brothers and sisters in India that are being persecuted. Pray for our missionaries. Uh, you know, Todd and Amy uh, Churchill, a missionary couple that we're highlighting this week, they're great, great people. And they're doing a great work in Africa. They, are, they were in the, uh, the Congo for a number of years. And uh, now they're in more of a regional uh, continental uh, ministry position that they have and they're doing some major works in, in training up pastors and church planners all over Africa so let's pray father we thank you that we could come to you and pray for our missionaries we ask and pray that you'd bless Todd and Amy and the Congo project and Africa's hope we pray that God you would uh, raise up workers and and strong churches in Africa and that you would raise up finances and resources and opportunities for them to expand the gospel all over that beautiful continent and Lord we also want to partner and pray with our missionaries in India those pastors that were under persecution Lord we thank you that while they were in prison they actually led prisoners to Jesus and Lord we thank Thank you for that and we we pray that that what the enemy meant for evil God turns around for good and what the enemy did he said I'm gonna send you to prison and what the Holy Spirit said is I'm gonna do a New Testament work just like what happened with Paul and Silas that there's gonna be people coming to Christ in prison and Lord I thank you that we can pray for them and support them and encourage them and we ask this all in Jesus name amen amen well we've got uh, ushers coming to usher coming to usher not usher not the usher but the usher uh it'd be great to have usher come to church right uh we're gonna have uh, offering so if you have a tither offering this morning you could just uh place it in the bag and uh we'll bless it let's just pray for our offering father we thank you you bless this offering every gift and giver may it be used for your glory to expand your kingdom may we be good stewards of those resources and lord may you stretch those finances to do things that we never thought imaginable in christ's name Amen. God bless you as you give.
as the children of God. So I just want to say that foundationally. And even as God, that doesn't mean that hard things aren't stated, but it has to be immersed in the love of God. Right? I mean, listen, if somebody's telling you, maybe even correction, I don't know if you've ever received correction. Hopefully you have, because we're going to go in that, into that today. But when somebody that loves you corrects you, you know, maybe they're saying, hey, you know, we, I need to help you out here or whatever. But when they love you, it almost doesn't feel like correction. You know what I mean? Because you know that it's coming from that certain place of love and they are for you, not against you. And their intent and motive in talking to you is for your best, right? And that should be how it is in our lives. Now, I want you to know this. As I was praying, the enemy does not have to be our conflict managers. And this is what, this is what I mean by that. A lot of times we associate conflict with the enemy's work as if conflict is in a direct correlation with the enemy. And I'm going to show you that that's not true necessarily. How we deal with conflict can have a great association with the enemy if we're not careful. But conflict simply happens in relationships and specifically because God created diversity. Diversity was not a mistake. Diversity is not a result of sin. God is a God of diversity. He loves diversity. He wants diversity. If you go out to the fields and you see, look how many colors of green are in nature. How many the artists trying to capture, painting a picture, reflecting what they see in nature and trying to find the right colors to reflect all the greens, all the shades of green. The Lord loves diversity. And that is foundational as well. And I want to say this even. You should love it too. Woo. You should love diversity too. Because you're like God. The Lord loves diversity and your, and I'm going to say whether you like it or not, this is the truth. Your destiny is diversity. I'm going to read that to you right now. Revelation five, nine and 10. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people from for God from Every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. Who's going to reign on the earth? I think it's going to be every tribe and language and people and nation. Come on, Jesus. He loves diversity. Revelation 7, 9. After this, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people and language standing before the throne and before the lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And that's what today is. Palm branches day, right? Hosanna. Okay. So foundationally, God wants us to love his diversity. But at the same time, diversity is one area that the enemy uses to create conflict. Okay? We're going to go into that in a minute. But we know this, foundationally, that Christ came to redeem our relationships, right? 
are, as a result of Christ's work on the cross, us receiving the Holy Spirit, now we can be the righteousness of God in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Therefore, what does that mean? Righteousness of God in him. That we know or we are taught or we're walking in right living right living it's not only just what we call an imputation a legal transaction in the sense of now i can go to heaven because christ paid the work but he has called us to be righteous in the earth while we're here not just simply okay i'm just going to live junky or whatever but rather in the earth i am righteous i have the holy spirit's power to walk righteously Why would he give you the Holy Spirit's power if he didn't want you to use it? God is not wasteful. If God is not wasteful, if he was, he had the disciples pick up 12 baskets full of leftovers of fish and bread. I'm going to tell you, you got Jesus who is not a wasteful person. He doesn't like wastefulness. And And he has given us the most precious treasure. That is the Holy Spirit to walk righteously in the earth. I do hear this kind of a thing. Well, we don't want to have a workspace Christianity. I agree. We didn't earn anything to receive salvation. But the truth is this. Now we walk in the spirit. Now we have a responsibility because he's given us the wealth. He's given us the the riches of heaven to walk in those riches in the earth. So we have redeemed relationships And the Lord has called us to steward those relationships, to manage those relationships, to glorify him in those relationships. And those relationships should always be characterized by love first and foremost, even with our enemy. Even with our enemy, okay? So when we address conflict in an ungodly way, it puts our ship of life, our relationships, it begins to steer them into the wrong territory and into the territory where the enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy. So conflict must be addressed in godly ways. And the Holy Spirit should be the manager of our conflict. Amen. Amen. So let's do some testing right now. I'm going to test you. See if you're eating, anybody eating bologna sandwiches? Okay, this is what I mean. Bologna sandwiches, are you feeding yourself something that you shouldn't be feeding? Let me test you about conflict. If you think you should always have your way in differences of opinion or conflict situations, you're eating a bologna sandwich. Okay, some people say they don't, but they actually do when they're in the, they think that they should get their own way. If you think you're always right, you're eating a bologna sandwich, okay? Don't say you like bologna, by the way. It's not good for you. (laughs) If you think you know everything about it, you're eating a bologna sandwich. You don't. You don't know everything about it. If you're the type that rules with an iron fist, even as a parent, you're eating a bologna sandwich. Oh, no. I'm going to say this about parenting. Now that I'm an old lady, even the most docile children 
do not benefit from a rule with an iron fist. Because what you're doing in that is you're causing their, their, them to not develop in their identity. Okay? So I want to just say that's not God's way, even in the nurturance of our children, to rule with an iron fist. And when a child doesn't get the opportunity to develop identity, they walk in confusion about their identity. And that's an open door for the enemy. Ooh, that gives me chills because too many parents don't realize that. And there's this rule with an iron fist. And I'm going to tell you, I'll give you an example of my own life when I was a teenager. Some of you that, I don't know, in this room, but maybe in the next um, service have teenagers or have had teenagers. And when I was a teenager, I remember it was my sophomore year. You know what sophomore means? Wise fool, by the way. I was a wise fool. I was sophomore year in high school. And I came to my dad, who was a pastor, and I said, I don't believe in God. And he, you know what my dad said to me? He said, you know what, Lynn? God's not threatened by that. He's not threatened by your doubts. He's not threatened by your questions. And you know, in that moment, I see, I, I, I never forgot the moment because I knew God was real in that moment because that was his response to me. Rather than ruling with an iron fist, bam, he said, you know what? God's not threatened by that. Go ahead and seek him out. Go ahead and ask the question. Rebellion is the enemy's answer to conflict. Rebellion is the enemy's answer to conflict between parents and child, between authority figures. Division is a form of rebellion. It's the enemy's answer to conflict. And rebellion is a distortion of freedom. Rebellion is not freedom. It's a distortion of of freedom. God's answer to diversity is reconciliation. Now, it's important to understand what reconciliation is. It's not sameness. It's not sameness. Rather, it's harmony. As you know, musicians know, harmony does not mean two same notes. It means two notes that come together, right? It's and and um Reconciliation also means repair, to repair, to make good again. So the Lord's answer to conflict is reconciliation. His answer to his conflict with us because of sin was to reconcile us unto him. He paid the price for that. You know, my children, now that they're adults, um, you know, listen, you always parent your children. By the way, you never stop parenting children even when they're adults so if you think it's only until you're eight they're 18 it's simply not true and i don't even think that's biblical in the sense of being their parent you're the parent i mean i call my dad he's 80 and i love it i love to call my dad i love to give his advice i feel like a little girl when he's like oh i'm sorry you had a rash how was i feel like a little girl i'm 50 almost 56 years alive i know that i like it right because there's comfort there right you love it you never stop uh, parenting your children and i have adult children this happened, I'm going to give you two examples of uh, reconciliation. You guys like to know that we all make mistakes, right? So I have a son, and I've told the story before, but after he graduated from college, paid all this money for private college, university, he wants to go into the military. I didn't like that. I did not like that. I remember when he told me he was living with us right after he graduated, figuring out the next step. 
And I did not give him the best um, reaction in the moment. I went into my room and the Holy Spirit checked my heart. And he said to me, you get under this mission in his life. You go back and reconcile, make it good with him and say, I am with you on this. My daughter recently um, got married. She's moved to Oregon with her children. Now I have five grandchildren. My uh, granddaughter, my granddaughter, Nora, she's the oldest now of my grandchildren. She was here at the Tongues of Fire service and got to see her grandma in Tongues of Fire, by the way. But um, so my daughter, when she was um, dating her husband now, there was the the question of where should they live? And listen, I'm a mama bear. And my daughter had gone through a lot. And I have three grandchildren. We kind of co-parented for like five years. So she said, I think we're going to move to Oregon. Well, guess what? Do you think I like that? I didn't like it. I thought, Holy Spirit, no way, right? We're not. And the Lord's all, check. Because my first response was, I don't think that's a good idea. And I do have a lot of influence with my children because they know I pray. And I had to go to her and say, I'm behind you. If this is what you feel God has for you, I am behind you. I want to be harmonious with you. There are opportunities. And why I give those illustrations, there are opportunities for us when there's times of two ways of thinking or two points of looking at things. We have opportunities to either have um, harmonious response or have division. As a result of it. But when the Holy Spirit is conflict manager, his goal is reconciliation if there's broken conflict, but harmony in the diversity. Not to erase the diversity, by the way, but harmony in that. We are called to the ministry of reconciliation. Colossians 1, 19 and 20. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Second Corinthians. So Christ came to reconcile. Now he has given us the message of reconciliation. Second Corinthians 5.19. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Very important. Not counting... We're like Jesus, right? Not counting people's sins against them. Guess what? That's what we're called to do. Not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So we are to be people of reconciliation. However, in when the rubber meets the road, conflict happens in relationship. So how do we address conflict? Okay, so we cannot be divisive and have the ministry of reconciliation. We cannot be a divisive person and have the ministry of reconciliation. And yet we don't run away from conflict, nor do we suppress conflict. And we must see the benefits of conflict. Is there benefits in conflict? Yes, there is. There's benefits. So diversity can set and diversity. I don't just mean ethnic or, you know, gender, you know, male and female, but diversity in many areas of our life can set the tone for conflict. 
right? Because you have two ways of looking at things, generational differences. There is a huge difference in the way the current generation, the younger generation thinks than the older generation thinks. It can set the tone for conflict and we have to address it in a godly way. The truth is this, if, if there's more than one person in the relationship, there's going to be conflict. <laughs> if there's more than one person, okay? Some of us address conflict this way. We flee it or we deny it or we're afraid of it. Even in a marriage, you know, the honest truth, David and I, we just celebrated our 31 years of marriage. We just had our, we on the 23rd. And I'll tell you what, when we first got married, we raced the first year because our first year was hell. Okay. It was, it was terrible. Yeah, it was his fault actually, but, but the Lord had to teach me because my husband was East coast. I was West coast. East coasters are, you know, in your face, kind of go at you. And I'm West coast, middle child of six kids. I'm like, what is this all about? And what I want to do is run from God. I'm like, you know what? If you, if you create conflict in my life, I don't want to have a relationship with you. That was my kind of method. But that's not God's method. L- let me just say this. God's method is not if you create conflict in my life, I want to run away f- from you. Because we created conflict in God's life. And he didn't run away from us. He ran towards us. Okay, so the Lord had it. So I'm saying I was guilty of that kind of style. You know, listen, I'll just check out. I'm just going to check out. You, you know, even with church people, I'm going to check out. You know, I don't, I'm going to check out. Some of us check out and others of us are more conflict kind of passionate. Like we're trying, maybe we think we're right. We're trying to get our way, you know, being a little controlling, those types of things. There's a lot of ways people address conflict, but for a good marriage, to happen after 31 years not a marriage a good marriage there's a difference some people are married 30 plus years and they don't have a good marriage they just stayed together there's a difference but in a fulfilling marriage and a oneness and an agree a marriage that has established agreement without erasing diversity is one that's learned to deal with conflict in a healthy way so conflict happens in relationships and it challenges us in our self-centeredness it challenges our pride conflict challenges our pride and conflict can produce new ways of thinking about things and it also helps us to understand other people if somebody is going to be fully present in a relationship and you're fully present then there are going to be times when you don't agree or see things from the same point of view. Is this true? Am I? Yes, it's true. And I say fully present. So therefore, we need to receive that God has established our sanctification or the way that he develops us to be like him by having people in our life that sharpen us. That he uses to help detox our pride and our selfishness and our, and, and he enlarges the way that we think and even enlarges our ability to love, to love. See, 
if the person does exactly what I want all the time, then I can love them pretty easily. But when they're not exactly doing what I want, I have to become step into agape love. That's called unconditional love. And God wants us to love people unconditionally. Well, how does he teach us to do that? It's through having conflict. We're going to learn how to have conflict in a godly way that enlarges our bandwidth of love. Why does the body of Christ want to run away from conflict? So people leave churches and, you know, run away because they don't want their bandwidth of love to increase. So that's why conflict is good. It helps us be more like the Lord. Okay. Matthew 22, 37 through 39 says this. Jesus said, this is about the greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. This remains the greatest commandments today. Loving your neighbor like yourself. So scripture has called us to be people who don't fight dirty, but rather people who know how to address conflict in a godly way. Hebrews 12, 14, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Strive for shalom. Strive and shalom actually, sometimes we think peace means absence of conflict, but actually shalom means wholeness reconciled reconciliation wholeness okay completeness so we strive for that with everyone so the enemy likes to attack our relationships because he wants to use conflict to create unhealthy relationships and division and you know where he begins he begins in our thought life Conflict just doesn't happen, by the way. It happens first in our, in our thought life. The, the thought that comes to us. So he wants us to have his thoughts about the situation rather than God's thoughts about the subject. And he wants, the enemy wants us to dress conflict with pride. Okay. Just really let that, it's tough, I know. He wants, so if you're addressing the conflict with your pride, know this, you're already in the wrong camp. You're already in the wrong camp. Let's look at the book of Genesis for a second. Genesis chapter three, verse five, because I said that, uh, relationship, the enemy wants us to get out of agreement with God's thoughts, right? So what happened with the first conflict in the earth was the conflict or Eve and Adam stepping out of relationship with the Lord. Genesis 3, 5, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. He began, the enemy sowed the thought that created the conflict, that created the breaking of the relationship. He created the, the, the female at that moment, embraced the division, the division, the divisive spirit was embraced and it was embraced because of pride and arrogance that I can do this thing. I can manage this earth without God. Okay. So the first break 
the first division, the first conflict was actually between her and God and then Adam and her later. The curse came in. So it became a divisive spirit came as a result of sin. A divisive spirit. The enemy ushered in a divisive spirit which came as a result of humans stepping out of submission to God. Today, when we address conflict, we must be in submission to the Holy Spirit. We can default back to the sin nature that wants us to be proud and arrogant rather than being in submission to the Holy Spirit. And that's important. I also want to say about divisive spirits because some people can carry what I say a divisive spirit. And that means they're always in conflict with people. You know, like everywhere they go, they're in conflict. And even believers can. It's a, it's kind of like I want to be the devil's advocate. I don't, you know, I'm going to tell you, I don't need the devil to have an advocate. The church does not need the devil to have an advocate. Oh, I need that. You know, that's not the perspective. But a divisive spirit can be cultivated in the lives of people. And a lot of times I call it what a familiar spirit. And let me just break that down because it kind of sounds, ooh. What I mean by that is in their childhood, they were brought up in such a divisive home life that that became normative to them. So they find some form of comfort, even though it's unhealthy, in a spirit of division. And that's very, that can be very common in the lives. And a lot of times when, especially as a child or a teenager, you were brought up in a home that was filled with division. For you, you saw it as uh, it was out of control, which it was. So therefore you became controlling or having the need to control because you figured Nobody else is in control. Somebody's got to be in control. So I'm going to be in control. And what that does is you're not good with conflict because when there's, when there's diversity and differences of opinion or differences of way of looking at, you're not in control anymore. But see, the Lord doesn't want you to have a divisive spirit that even no matter how you're brought up, the Lord wants to heal that and restore that and teach you how to have healthy conflicts. See, because a divisive spirit is toxic. It's toxic to you, and it's also toxic to your relationships, and it's toxic to the body of Christ. Titus 3.10 says this, Warn a divisive person once, and then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. That's New Testament. A divisive spirit is not welcomed. You're welcome, but the divisive spirit is not welcome. Proverbs 6, 16 and 19. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, pride, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. That's what I want to get to. Stirring up conflict in the community. I'm going to get some ways. There's some very subtle ways people can do that. But Jesus said, a house divided against itself cannot stand. 
So you cannot, we cannot be a muscle church. You cannot have a muscle marriage if there is a divisive spirit being stirred up. The enemy loves division. That's what he sowed in the Garden of Eden. He loves division and he likes to use conflict to destroy relationships. So you say, well, you know what? Maybe I was brought up like that, Pastor Lynn. What can I do? You know what? You, there's already the answer. Romans 12, 1 and 2. You know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you're always doing counterpoints in your views about things, even if you know the person's right, there might be a divisive spirit there. And watch, or if there's a critical spirit, watch out for arrogance and rebellion. And the truth is this, all of us have to watch out for things. All of us have to watch out for uh, rebellion and arrogance and everything else. So division entered through the Garden of Eden through pride and arrogance and the first division was between humans and God and then between man and woman. So it entered in with God first. I'm going to say your conflict that goes awry, the conflict that goes into the direction of destruction, kill, steal, and destroy, that's the enemy's mission. If your conflict is going into kill, steal, and destroy, you're in the enemy's territory. Is that true? Yes, it's true because we're ministers of reconciliation. So if conflict's going into that arena, what has happened is, because that's the arena that the enemy brought Adam and Eve's conflict into, kill, steal, and destroy. And that is a check. That is a red flag for you to say, you know what? I need to get into agreement with the Holy Spirit on this. Okay. Remember, I said foundationally, relationships are about what? The love of God, right? The love of God. You say, well, there's tough love. Yes, there's tough love. We know that. You know that as parenting, but it's love. It's love. It's not mean. So there are benefits of conflict. It doesn't have to be evil or bad, but there's benefits. Scripture talks a lot about how we're to treat one another a lot. Actually, it's used 94 times in the new testament first peter 122 says this and be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving one another just as god also forgave you in christ ephesians 432 says everyone should look out not for his own interest only but also for the interest of others we are told to build one another up so some of the practical things that come as a result of our one another relationships and when we don't see it the same way, which will happen more often than not, it creates opportunities for new ideas, flexibility, understanding other people, expanding your love, co- developing how to communicate with other people. There are lots of good things, but, le- but conflict requires godly Conflict requires a spirit of forgiveness. It requires that. It requires us to love with forgiveness. Even our enemies. You know, in this COVID season and this last year and a half, there's been so many opportunities and I would say missed opportunities for the people of God to see the conflict that's happening in our society as an opportunity to build the bridge of love. 
but rather they used it to do the us and them lose and win. Somebody's got to lose and somebody's got to win here. Somebody's got to be absolutely right and somebody's got to be absolutely wrong. And as you and I know in life, even in our most intimate relationships, that just can't happen to be healthy. And some people have even interpreted that as the righteous way to deal with things. But how can that be the righteous way to deal with things when the Lord has called us to be reconcilers? He said, I've given you the mission, the ministry of reconciliation. He has called us to love our neighbor as ourselves, And he's also called us to love our enemy, not combat our enemy, but love our enemy. Matthew 5, 43. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love, love, love. The central component of all relationships is the love of God. And scripture even tells us, listen, I'm going to give you favor with your enemies. I'm going to even give you favor with your enemies. So how do we do that though? Okay. So, all right, Lynn, we know love. Yeah. But how, what does that look like? How do I do that? Ephesians 4:22 says this, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. That's what you're supposed to do. Put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds. Put off your old self. What does putting off your old self look like? Having new thoughts about the situation. Having a new attitude of your minds. That's what it looks like. And to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness, in right living. He became sin so that we could be the righteousness of God in Christ. He has given us the power to do this. He has given us the power to love to do this. So, and so that's what the apostle Paul tells us. Okay, we're going to put off our old ways. We're going to put on the new thing, the new life. And that has to do with the way we think. Now, he goes on in Ephesians 4.26. And he says, here's a practical way you do it. Address your anger quickly. It's like, let's boil it all down. Ephesians 4.26 and 27. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. This does not mean I suppress my anger. I'm not angry. Have you ever been with somebody fuming, but they're actually angry and they're so in denial and your anger is just like bleeding out and everything, slamming doors, whatever. I'm not angry. Yes, you are. Just because you're denying you're angry doesn't mean you're not angry. Paul never said deny that you're angry. No, he said now be angry, but don't sin. Let's address the anger. So what happens if you don't address the anger? What's the opportunity for the devil? See, this is something that people just don't do. Somehow we think we're okay if we don't address our anger. We're not okay because according to scripture, it creates an opportunity, a foothold for the enemy in your mind, in your spirit. And after there's a foothold, you know what happens? There's a stronghold. So once a foothold is there, then it's built up to be a stronghold. So the little thing 
that you were angry about now becomes a big mountain. Even in a marriage, in a society between people, differences of thinking about things, it becomes a mountain because you got angry, but you never addressed it. You never reconciled it. You never got dealt with that anger. Now, this is what happens if you don't address anger. Do not let any unwholesome talk, this is Ephesians 4.29, come out of your mouth. See, what happens when we don't address our anger, we start having unwholesome talk. I start chatting to him about you because I'm mad at you, but I'm talking to him about it. And I start to build up and now I'm mad, even more mad. And I get somebody else on my team, team Lynn against team David, whatever it may be, because I haven't addressed my anger. And now I'm having unwholesome talk coming out of my mouth. But he says, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their own needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And then when we don't address our anger, we grieve the Holy Spirit. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid. He doesn't say, you know what, some of it. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. And instead, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. You've got to address your anger. And the quicker you do it, the better. Because if you don't, and for some reason you're self-righteous enough to think you don't have to. I'm going to do that one more time. You're self-righteous enough to think that you don't have to. You've actually given the enemy, who? The kill, steal, and destroy person, the spirit of that, into your relationship with that person. And, and don't be deceived. When you're bitter, it flows. And it flows to anybody that's in the way. It flows to your children. It flows in your marriage. It flows to your body, your physical body making it sick. That's why the Lord says, get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. And how do you get rid of it? Forgiving each other. He gives you the remedy. He gets, well, but I was right. I don't. Forgive. Forgive. And so what happens when we properly address is that we have kindness and compassion. And you actually walk in freedom. And you have a, be a good at forgiving. And, and not forgiving meaning I'm forgiving but I'm really not forgiving. But forgiving, letting it go. Let it go. Let it go. My daughter, she came to me before she got married. She said, Mom, what's the one thing you would tell me about having a good marriage? Let it go. Come on, if you want some advice, I mean not bring it up later. Let it go. Forget about it. Let it go. And that's what forgiving is most of the time. Maybe not all the time, but most of the time we've just got to let it go. Put off the old self and put on the new self. And what the new self is, is I have a new attitude of my mind and I am a forgiving person and I let it go. Because guess what? The other side of the coin, people have to be forgiving you. So a lot of times we think it's just us going around forgiving. But the truth is this, they're forgiving you right and left. 
the right and left because a lot of times we don't see ourselves we only see you i only see you when you have something on your face but you don't realize you got something on your face as well you might have toilet paper on your shoe you don't see it because it's dragging behind you but you see somebody else's toilet paper on their shoe and toilet paper was like gold during covid season so we're out for that the point is this we truly have to be forgiving people and that's connected to the love of god that's been poured out upon us and sometimes we don't realize how much love of god has been poured out upon us and the sins that we had and the offenses that we created towards god when if we have the revelation of the love of god poured out upon us we're going to pour out the love of god on people around us yes even the offensive people the offensive people I always have more to say, but get the log out of your own eye and quit trying to get this back. And now as believers, I'm going to say this believers, followers of Christ, let's not reach to try to get the speck out of the world's eye. Let's get the log out of our own eye. So we address conflict in a godly way. I want to challenge you to remove the spirit of offense in you. Don't be easily offended. Don't allow the spirit of offense. Hebrews 12, 15 says this. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. And that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. I want to, I'm going to land here. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. The enemy wants you to get offended. And in our world of diversity, different ways of looking at things, offense is an epidemic. And it cultivates division it cultivates anger and in this scripture it says it cultivates a bitter root a bitter root in this scripture it says see that no bitter root grows up so that means some seed has been sown an offense has been sown somebody said something and it made you go sideways you know what i mean you're like whoa where did that come from or maybe somebody, they think they have a valid perspective on something. They didn't appreciate you. Scripture says, see that it doesn't grow up. That bitter root doesn't grow up and, or spring up. Because that means it's going to produce some form of life in you. But it's not going to be good life. It's going to be something that's going to kill, steal, and destroy in the scripture, it says that it, this bitter root that springs up will defile people around you. So we get a disease going on because a person who's been offended begins to defile people around them with their bitterness. And I know that this can happen very easily with children around us and teenagers around us and maybe more vulnerable people around us that if you have offense in you and you begin to let it spring forth and you begin to talk about it 
and recruit with it, it begins to defile. The scripture says defile. That means in the Greek to stain others. The word defile is stain. And as you know, stains are hard to get out. And he uses that term because you may reconcile with the people. You may get over it. You may forgive. You may get over it. But the, the problem is in your offense, it sprung forth and you defiled many and they may not get over it. How many people are not in the body of Christ in the church because the offense defiled them? So it wasn't even their hurt. It was the hurt of their mom or the hurt of their situation. And they took on their loved one's offense. The enemy loves that. He loves it. Good. Well, you got over it. I'm a mature believer. I got over it. But what about all the people that weren't mature believers? I go back to we're, we're, we're building a muscle church. We got to be a healthy church. We got to not be afraid of conflict because conflict doesn't have to be managed by the enemy. It can be managed by the Holy Spirit to create a better thing coming forth. A deeper relationship. An understanding. More love. More love. More diversity in viewpoints and things. But we cannot get offended for that to happen. If we're going to be what Jesus says is going to happen in heaven in the revelation, every tribe and tongue doesn't mean we're going to have segregation. There's no segregation there. We're together. We're integrated. And we can't be offended here because we're going to be a part of that there. And the Lord wants us to be his body in the earth. In all of the diversity and beauty of what that is. Central to that is we can't be easily offended by one another. Because the truth is this. I'm just learning. And I'm just learning you. And you're just learning me. And you have a different journey than me. So I want to have the grace bridge that says, you know, I didn't say that quite right. And you say, yeah, it was kind of like what you said was a little bit a stereotype. A, you know, it hits you sideways. You know what I mean when something hits you sideways? You're like, I don't know if that was a compliment or a criticism. You know what I'm saying? Come on. Am I the only one that lives this? No. But the goal is we have to have bridges of love so that we learn to understand each other. It's talking to, I meet with, we have girl talk. And that means uh, I meet with my females who are on my pastoral staff. And I have my beautiful Rebecca, and she's Chinese. And I have my beautiful Sandy, and she's El Salvadorian. And it was me, and then I have my Rhonda, and she's white. Not me, I'm Jewish. So we made, and we were meeting, we were talking about some of the diversity challenges. And I said, you know what? We've got to be people who are not easily offended. How are others going to learn if we close the bridge? How, they, how am I going to know you? How am I going to know you? I want you to stand. I can't be easily offended 
if I'm going to deal with conflict in a godly way. I got to say, you know, I'm going to love you. And you can't be easily offended either. I will not let a bitter root take hold in me. I will not let it spring up in me. Because I do not want to defile many. So I'm going to be a fast forgiver. And I'm going to be a fast anger manager. I'm going to say, you know what? I do feel angry about this. But I'm going to address it. And you say, well, you know, some people, they're very offensive. I know. <laughs> I know that. They're fruit checkers. That's what we always say, the fruit checker. Fruit checker requires more love. Requires your bandwidth to increase. I don't have enough bandwidth to get online here. Guess what? Bandwidth. I got to get online to my love. Guess what? Bandwidth increase of love. I just mean that I just got to pour some love. Pour some love. Pour some love. Scripture says the kindness of God leads people to repentance. Listen, we got to be that kindness. I know you you may say, you know what, but conflict can be really messy. Yes, it can. Yes, it can. But the components of godliness is. We're, going, we're called to ministry of reconciliation, to harmony, not sameness, harmony, calling to love, agape, God's love, unconditional. And we're called to grace, forgiveness. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to get over it. And if it keeps coming up, the truth is this, you didn't get over it. If you're still talking about it and staining others around you, you didn't get over it. You didn't address it. It's springing up. The enemy, what the enemy means for evil in situations where we experience conflict, God says, no, I'm going to turn around for good. That's the goal. You say, well, you know what? I work in, some of you, many of you work in settings where the person that you're with, many people you're with, they don't know Christ. They're not coming from the perspective that you're coming from with the things of God, with the word of God regarding conflict. How do I go about it? The Holy Spirit is going to guide you and teach you and empower you. He will guide you. And there you will become a person that people will be attracted to. You may even become the conflict manager in a sense for your area because you become this safe person, a healthy person. Because the truth is people want, there is an innate desire, a hunger for them to have healthy relationships. There is a hunger in people in this young generation teach me how to have healthy relationships no one wants a broken family no person that got married intended to get divorced that was never the design that was never their dream for their life people want healthy relationships the healthiest people on this earth should be the people that have God's spirit in them amen Come on, let's sing that song. I'm gonna.
yourself to the Lord don't have the I've got to win let's let him win nobody said amen to them let's let him win because you may win but really you did more harm to the things of God to the witness let me just say this and I'm going to pray with you and let you go Joshua before he went to Jericho saw the angel of the Lord and he asked the angel of the Lord are you with me or against me and the angel you know what the angel of the Lord he didn't say I'm with you you know what he said neither wow what an answer and then Joshua what he did is he took off his sandals humbled himself and received the assignment of the angel of the Lord to defeat Jericho so in other words, rather than we say, God, I want you to do this. I want you to do this and defeat my enemy. The Lord's saying, I want you to be with me in this. I want you to humble yourself. Put down your pride. Put down your agenda. Humble yourself. Surrender yourself. And then we will defeat the enemy. We will conquer the giants. But we're going to do it my way because my way is filled with my presence my way has consequences eternal consequences so we have to live that life of surrender even in our conflict because that's when we have victory is when we surrender lord we surrender these things to you we have gone through over the last year and a half an obstacle course of challenges and that obstacle course is not done. And it's created all kinds of opportunities 
for differences of opinion. And Lord, I pray over us that we would be people that are reconcilers, harmonious, that we would be people of your love, that we would be people that have your presence of shalom with us, bringing people into wholeness and unity, that in the diversity, that we don't have to have division, Lord, but we can have your presence. Lord, we thank you for this word. May it be sown and cultivated in our life as we go out and live out relationships with our family, marriage, children, co-workers, neighbors, the world. In your precious name, amen. God bless you as you go. Amen.